Blog Talk Radio. This is Robin Schooling. I am uh, our drive through HR host, uh, taking care of this episode. And joining me on uh, on today's show is uh, John Baldino. Hey, John. Hey, Robin. How are you? I am good. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Uh, and we may or may not be having our, our, our team member, our coworker, join us as well, Sarah Morgan. So um, I think she got caught up with some things, so we'll see when she gets here. <laughs> Hopefully she will jump right in. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, well, we are, um, of course, doing a show, which is, which is uh, it's kind of like old home week because it's our Humoriso team talking about our yes. recent experiences at Work Human, Work Human Live. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was super awesome. And we've we've gone to many of them. Many of them. <laughs> many, so many, many of them. them. And, 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 and so my question is, uh, to kind of kick us off, because I have my yeah. thoughts, certainly, um, what is it about this conference? What is it about Work Human Live that keeps us, keeps us going back every year? What, what draws you to it? And, and mm. you know, why do you look forward to it every year, like I do? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, first of all, it's so usually so different, right, than a typical sort of HR conference, right? Well, you and I mm-hmm. have been to, I don't even know if we could count how many HR conferences we've been to in our lifetime. Um, but they, t- you know, they tend to be very programmatically standardized, right? Like you just go and sit in on a compliance session, go and sit in yeah. on FMLA, go and sit in on that, like this stuff. And I'm not you know, minimizing the fact that there's some value in that. But the way that Work Human Live puts things together, it's really about um, your your experience with um, people in real relationship, right? Like the workplace is still a community. And, it, and I don't mean that in some sort of like warm and fuzzy way. I mean it in there's there's humanity existing and working in the yeah. workplace. 
And we really don't spend a lot of time sort of talking about those fundamental components of humanity that Work Human Live really challenges us to think about. And mm-hmm. I mean, I love that. I love how different yeah. it is for that yeah. reason. Yep. And, and, and our Sarah Morgan is here. So we've got uh, oh, hello, hello. Hello. all three of our humor resoites um, on the call. To, to dissect <laughs> we're human, um, and it was and it was a it was fun for us all to be together. Um, yes, and, you know, as a work team, and but was, what was also interesting is that we we weren't peas in a pod because we all went to different sessions, we did different things. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah, uh, I'm sure we'll get to the point of talking about the group that she put together that ended up really bonding um but what what is what is it about work human live for you sarah that that keeps you going back year after year oh it is without a doubt probably my fate no i will say it's my favorite conference of the year um because the focus on the humanity of employees and the need for us to be um, considerate of that in in how we create policy and how we create programming and even in how we create software um, is center and central throughout the Work Human Conference. And that is not something that we get when we are in a lot of other conference spaces, it's either all about the tech or it's all about compliance from mm-hmm. an HR standpoint, or it's all about programming. And we talk about those things in a vacuum separate from the human. And at the Work Human Conference, it's always technology and the human. and programming and the human and compliance and policy and the human. And for me, the, the fact that those stay connected and central in everything that goes on at the conference um, really is what keeps drawing me back. And then I also love just the general vibe of it is way more relaxed. (laughs) <laughs> than yeah. mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of other conferences are. Even from the way that Work Human Central is structured, you feel like you're walking into this just like kind of resorty, you know, um, relaxing kind of space where there's music playing and there's art and there's photo booths and there's and they do a good job of like also bringing in like foliage and like the different types, and even though it makes it very difficult to take selfies, the different types of lighting right. <laughs> that they use is also, <laughs> it does, it makes photographs very difficult, but um, the lighting um, is actually like healthy, um, and then the way that they incorporate gratitude and um, service and and giving back and recycling and sustainability like we're the the other conferences that we're attending and typically seeing that we're if if they're doing it they're doing it because they saw it at work human and they were like oh this is cool 
we're going to incorporate mm-hmm. that. But it's but for Work Human, it's been a part of the fabric of the way that they operate um, since the beginning, and that yeah. that to me just makes it so so unique and such a good experience. Hmm. Yeah, and and another ditto to all of those things, and and you know another aspect. Um, that's really interesting to me from, you know, the, the the first one to this recent iteration is I often forget that at the end of the day, you know, work human is a, is a product, right? <laughs> it's a, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a mm-hmm. technology and, and it's a, it's an ecosystem for their, their clients, for their users. Um, so there is this element of tech, uh, but I always forget while I'm there, that it's kind of their user conference. And they have a really good mix of, you know, existing users, existing clients, and folks that are interested. And then they have folks that are just interested in the vibe and the speakers and the content. So I think they put, mm-hmm. on, uh, they put on this really good mix. Um, but there was, a, a, you know, so of course, they're, they're there to talk about, you know, iterations with the product and things that they have launched or are launching. And um, at one point, mm-hmm. um, I think it must have been when Eric Mosley was doing um, his opening keynote, I think was when it came up and he was talking about um, the integration of, of work humans product and recognition and that uh, the recognition and elevate and whatnot into teams. Um, mm-hmm. and a nugget of, of tech kind of in there. But the reason behind it is, you know, so it's embedded, it's in the flow of work. And so culturally, if I'm working somewhere and I'm, I'm on a team call and somebody's doing something really awesome, I don't have to stop and think about it, go out, log in somewhere else. I can just right within Teams, see the icon and use that and go right into into the work human platform to um, to use it however my company is set up. So we got off, we got out of that session and I was on the phone with my husband a little bit later, and his company is a work human client. And I said, hey, look at your team's chat right now and tell me, do you see this icon? And, you know, said, oh, no, we don't have that yet. And I'm like, okay, well, I want you to watch for it. Cause, you know, it's really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it, it, it just, um, it's this very kind of holistic event, I think, from every mm-hmm. every aspect of it. Um, yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, I, all of us talked about 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 sessions and content, and mm-hmm. it is so um, it is so refreshing to go to a, um, a, a a conference designed for HR professionals and not have to see, you know, the lawyers in this room against the, um, you know, compliance <laughs> police in the other room type of thing. Um, yeah. So I want to talk about some of our favorite sessions um, and mine bar none. Um, Cause I'd never seen her speak live before. So I'd seen, um, you know, clips from Ted talks and things like that. My, um, my energizer, my, uh, my favorite was lovey Ajaya Jones, who I thought just encapsulated everything about work human and, um, she was so real. Yeah. She was so 
um, personal and, and just telling her story and her journey. And for those who have not had the chance to see her or watch her TED Talks or read any of her books, I just loved everything she talked about and being a professional troublemaker, which I'm sure is trademarked. Um, otherwise, we would all use it, I think. Um, but just the, you know, it's, it's, that, um, it's that jolt that I think we often need in HR to, you know, be committed, um, say what's hard, do what's hard, um, sit in a room and speak up. Um, you know, make positive change and, and it's okay to, you know, troublemaking is not a bad thing. Um, and, and she said there were kind of like three questions that she would ask herself before she would speak up, which just really resonated with me as well. She said before kind of speaking up and, and saying this is, you know, here's my thoughts on this or here's why I'm going to push back on that is to ask yourself, do I mean it? Can I defend it? And am I am I saying it with love? Am I saying it in the right way? I thought, wow, yeah, three simple mm-hmm. questions to kind of give that that power um, to yourself to to speak up. So she was far and above my my favorite session. Um, John, what about you? Yeah, I mean, there are so many that I enjoyed, and which is typical, right? Each yeah. year, I just there's so many you walk away with. You're like, oh, that was great. Oh, that was great. Um, it was fun for me to get to hear um, Eric Bailey, um, who yeah. who gave me one of my favorite, um, and he spoke twice um, actually at the mm-hmm. conference. But in one of them, um, he shared. Um, his view on on toxic optimism that I thought was mm-hmm. just so good for for I'll say traditional HR people to to hear um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because we kind of think like that we're supposed to be that way. Do, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like. Um, we're, we're supposed to be these, these eternal optimists and, um, you know, that's, that's what our, um, lot in life is. But he talked about the fact that, you know, look, if we continually put out in, you know, in defense of optimism, we put out these unrealistic expectations because we're trying to be positive, then we really actually expand the opportunity for disappointment. And when disappointment goes unchecked for, an extended period of time um, from a mental health standpoint, it leads to despair. And, and we know that there are people who struggle in that end of the spectrum, really um, either in despair or flirting with it um, and struggle to kind of be honest about it because they feel like they have to be the positive monikers for everything that goes on within the organization. Um, And they're in this, really terrible cycle psychologically. And I just thought he did a really nice job of sort of naming that, unpacking it, and really providing context about, you know, being free from it because it's an entire mental exercise to, to work on yourself, you know, in and with so Mm -hmm. that you can not get sort of caught up in that for an extended period of time, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And for me, so I, mine was also mine was also Eric Bailey, but I went to the other session. So, <laughs> so oh, perfect. Shout out to Eric Bailey. He did, yeah. He was he's he's just really amazing. Um, yeah. and enjoy and got to meet his wife as well. And mm-hmm. she and I um struck up. I found out that she's a, a basketball player. She played college ball and um. And for those, you, Robin, you and John both know I'm a, my daughter is a basketball player. I'm, mm-hmm. I have two sons that play basketball. So we're a ball family. And um, so anytime that I can connect with other women who love um, basketball and really understand it. And Eric told a story about how um, in her AAU days, she basically just did this crazy move that probably would have gone viral today against um, Diana Taurasi of, of UConn and WNBA fame. Like she's she's one of the goats of women women's basketball and just talked about how she straight like shook her and broke her ankles. And I was like, we must be friends. And so <laughs> um, we must be friends. And but I will say, but you know really complimentary of her in his session, which I thought was really lovely. Like, it's like, you know, my mm-hmm. wife is not just here supporting me, but she's also just, you know, the backbone of me and our, my business and our family. And, and she's a badass mm-hmm. in her own right. So that was really cool to hear him say, but then also mm-hmm. I loved in the session that I attended that he talked about the ways in which we misdefine words in the DEI space that causes more Mm -hmm. rift between um, the gaps that we're trying to close than than really bringing us together um, in ways and creating empathy. And he talked about the ways that we have misdefined and misconstrued what bias is, where we focus on definition rather than behavior and action. And Bias is a biological fact. We as humans are built for bias to create within our minds a narrative that gives us preference toward one thing over another. Like that's innate to us as as humans. And so what we've taken when we talk about bias is that innate human nature and we vilified it to the end. And it causes people to think that any that if I have any kind of bias, that there's something wrong with me. And it's like, actually, no. But what you have to do is in, is interrogate like where where it is that that comes from, and how it goes into action that can cause harm and upset for other people. And so um, that is really important. Um, distinction and I love that he really put that in the forefront of the session that as he was leading it um, because there were a lot of of folks in the room who raised their hands and admitted that like they've sat in biased trainings and felt uncomfortable Uh to the point of of Mm -hmm. not not just the general discomfort that we have when we talk about issues that are unfamiliar to us or that are emotionally charged, but like uncomfortable to the point of like, I, something's wrong with me. I don't belong 
here, mm. you know, I, I be the type of person that my organization now needs me to be. And I'm in danger of potentially, you know, losing my position, losing my job altogether because this, this thing called bias is within me and I don't feel confident that I can ever get it out. And it's wow. like, it, no, it's not about getting rid of it. It's about interrogating it and making choices in terms of how you behave um, with awareness of your bias and the ways that it seeps in. And I thought that he weaved that together in that mm. session in a way that really put people at ease and really um, got folks thinking about bias differently. And I, I loved and appreciated that as a DEI practitioner myself, because mm -hmm. I have a lot of those same conversations with, with clients and with individuals. Um, and, and it was nice to hear someone else put that into words on a, on a big stage um, and yeah. with a, with a, packed audience to be able to hear that, embrace that, and know that they're going to take that back to others. So yeah, that yeah. and then of course, you know, I've been a fan of Lovey for for years. And so getting to to see her and, and we did the meet and greet with her and getting mm -hmm. being able to just spend time um, listening to her live uh, versus online was, was yeah. an absolute treat for me as well. Yeah. You know, one of, one, uh, and, and um, uh, I'm so glad to hear your perspective on the conference programming, if you will, from a, a DE&I perspective, Sarah, because of course that's your, that's your, that's your wheelhouse, right? But they, mm. for years, again, I think, and they don't purposely call out, obviously, you know, hey, we're, you know, for DE&I practitioners, but there sure are a lot of, yeah. of DE&I practitioners there. And the programming mm. has always been so robust around, you know, inclusion and intentionality and, and uh, mm. again, the humanity um, aspects of work. And I just think it's, it's, um, for folks who are working in DE&I, who uh, they really need to put this conference on their radar because it, it just mm -hmm. it takes those conversations go to a much deeper level than I think at other, you know, sort of marquee named, um, you know, DE&I conferences, if you will. Yeah, I agree. And I was, it was lovely for me because y'all know I'm highly introverted this is not a secret and so I have to make myself I have to make myself um like goals of like okay I'm going to not sit with my friends at breakfast I'm going to you know pick a table and sit with some people that I don't know and try to make a connection and um you know oddly enough Every time I did that, I connected with a new DEI practitioner. So wow. I came away. I and and it happened every single day. And so I walked away with great new, you know, contacts and people that I can can start to like hone and cultivate relationship mm -hmm. with um, that have similar work 
types of experiences and, mm-hmm. you know, we can, can share secrets and best practices and vent to one another. Um, and so it definitely has, the word is out, definitely that Work Human is one of those conferences that DEI yep. professionals will get value from and see themselves within and be able to connect with other practitioners um, while they're there. And so that, um, that I agree with that wholeheartedly. And it definitely was a part of my experience while I was there. And I loved that in doing the tracks this year in the past, the track, there has been like a very specific DEI track. And Mm -hmm. for the last couple of years, that hasn't been the case. It's been woven into the natural, you know, tracks when we talk about culture or when we talk about, you know, compliance, like it's naturally woven in there. And so I appreciate Work Human greatly for um, embracing that because that's yeah. where that's where the equity lies. And the, that's the more that, that the work that we do in DEI becomes a part of the natural language of the business and the natural language of the work that we do so that it's not seen as a specialty, but that it's seen as, as a part of the whole is yeah. really um, meaningful. And, and so it shows that we're shifting in, in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously we're, we're human um, as, an organization as, um, as a business is kind of what their, um, you know, sort of founding principles have been, uh, you know, the, the focus has been around recognition in the workplace, gratitude in the workplace. Um, and, and naturally that was a big part of both the programming and the ethos at the event. We have the, by now world famous, I think, uh, Work Human Gratitude Bar, because uh, not only did we see that at Work Human Live, but John and I saw the Gratitude Bar at Unleash last week, last week as well. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so so gratitude and recognition in the workplace. Um, John, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you on this question. Um, over time, you know, time, time, time is a relative thing with the three of us on this call, but um, over, our, over our time in, in, in the workplace, in HR, have you seen, um, what sort of evolution have you seen around the concepts of recognition in the workplace and, and gratitude in the workplace and, and sort of those, those aspects? Yeah, I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting question because what comes to mind is I think that, uh, you know, having been in the space for um, a long time, I almost said the years, I got to stop doing that, a long time, um, we've always been, as a discipline, um, known to be like the party people, the celebrators, right, so that there's, that always sort of, uh, sort of fell on the HR practitioner in a business to, you know, put some of those things together. And so um, we probably then spent some time 20 years ago starting to push against that and say, we don't want to just be seen as the party people. And so we want to be, you know, seats at the table and all that, you know, stuff. And 
And so we had practitioners that sort of stepped away from the recognition celebratory components. Yeah. Um, and so uh, because we wanted it, not because we didn't like it, but we didn't want to just be relegated to it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think that what we see now is um, – I think that we're okay returning back to those considerations around expressions of gratitude, um, expressions of affirmation. Um, What I think that some organizations have done well is bake that into the cultural heartbeat of things and Mm -hmm. that we just have a natural inclination to notice, to stop Mm -hmm. for a minute and look around and know know who's doing what to our left and to our right and behind us and in front of us, um, which I think is perfect. Um, Mm -hmm. But I would say there are some organizations that have um, adopted recognition process, but haven't let it fully get baked into the cultural component of who they are. Mm. So we have a platform form for you to go on and, you know, pick this to recognize someone and say, Hey, good job. And you get a $5 Starbucks gift card or something like that. And I'm not saying that, that, you know, I listen, I love coffee. I'm happy to, to have a cup of coffee. No problem. But if, if what we've done is sort of just check off a box to say, we do believe in recognition here. Look, right. we've got this, website you can log into and and you know pick a chick-fil-a sandwich to send to somebody okay but is that really a a view of gratitude and recognition and appreciation that's as deep and as meaningful as it could be because i think from a competitive standpoint candidates and and you know employees that are looking to become candidates elsewhere they're looking for that. They're looking for how do you mm-hmm. treat me as a person, not just as a performer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that I think one of the interesting because we can't find the right words sometimes to use, um, mm. so we tend to continue to call. Uh, you know, we have a recognition quote program process event, and and so we we still, we tend to use those words and especially if HR, because HR is usually the architect of these things, obviously. Um, and, and so then it, we do run that danger of, of recognition or gratitude becoming yet another quote HR program. And, mm-hmm. and, and to your point, John, about it being, you know, baked into the culture and being organic and it's, um, you know, I'm uh, somebody needs to, to, you know, own the budget, if you will, and or perhaps mm-hmm. kind of the bigger picture thing. But I, but recognition to me, recognition, gratitude, that needs to be owned by um, every supervisor, every manager. Um, yes. And then we bring in the peer to peer aspects to it. But you know, I've, I've uh, we probably all have worked with or for organizations where um, it is it is it is seen as that checklist. Oh, we're going to do, and there, there's nothing wrong with saying we're going to have an employee of the month or a, a celebration for tenure or whatever it may be. 
But when that employee of the month thing turns into, and I've been in these organizations, oh, my mm-hmm. God, nobody's nominated anybody. Who should we pick? Yes. Thing. It, it's, your program is dead. It means nothing when you are at that yep. stage. Um, yeah, and, I and, agree. And I think that, that that's, Robin, what you're talking about is the difference between programming and compliance and what John is talking about is really um, a culture of recognition and gratitude, which is what Mm work human is encouraging um, and, and what they're trying to activate through the software that they've created. But it has to, it has to be realized through the people who do, who do the things. Um, And so I, I feel like, the John is is right in that there is still because HR got got voluntold and relegated to yeah. this kind of programming in the past in a way that made many of us feel as though we were not seen as true um, partners and experts in the business. There's mm-hmm. a dissonance now um, for many of us to re-embrace that part of the HR identity. Um, and the fact is human resources as a business discipline was created for in part for the compliance of this um, in part, you know, for the compliance towards these human aspects. We, from the very beginning um, were became because of someone needed to to be in charge of making sure that the organizations were compliant with these laws that took people's humanity into right. consideration in the workplace because left mm-hmm. on their own businesses weren't going to do it mm-hmm. and that's been a, a fight and a struggle um you know since our inception back in probably the 60s and 70s at least mm-hmm. and so now we have to and we fought for a really long time to get away from that and in the process of doing so lost sight of people's need for connection, people's need for recognition and and the and what holds that up is is the spirit of gratitude and trying to bring that back into the workplace, particularly now as we have gone through the pandemic and are still recovering from the height of the pandemic, because we're still in it, COVID's still a thing, but we're still, you know, recovering from like the, the theory, the most, what's felt like the most serious parts of it. Um, And having to really see up close and personal over the past couple of years, the ways that people's personal lives, their losses, their, their life events and changes, you know, show up in the ways that we work. Um, It's thrust us into that and some organizations have really stepped up majorly and leaned into that and there are others that are that have struggled throughout uh-huh. and continue to struggle and so i think that hr professionals do care i think we're struggling with how much to demonstrate that we care because if you ask anyone like why they got into hr most of us will answer because of our care for people <laughs> so if 
if yes. that's the, the impetus that moves us into this discipline, then it it's always like in the underbelly, but it's how we express that. And I think mm-hmm. that our expression of that for many years has been oppressed and then eventually like forced to be repressed because we it wasn't valued and so now we're having to dig that out of our like emotional crates um to be like it's like a sweater you haven't worn in years and you stick in a bin in your closet it's like oh where's that gratitude again like i know it's in here somewhere (laughs) and now we have to like go find it um and figure out the best way to activate that in the now and i'm happy to see us on that journey and excited, you know, for the opportunities that we all have in the work that we do to be able to help organizations activate and actualize that. Um, Mm -hmm. But I know that there are a lot of professionals out there who are really struggling with how do I do this and not lose my, lose the seat, quote unquote, which is the word we all hate, but lose our seat at the table because I'm leaning too far in one direction or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which really gets gets to kind of our, our, our wrap-up question. We've got a, a, about five minutes or so left on the show. Um, I want to, you know, we kind of talked about our sessions that we enjoyed and that sort of thing. But what's, what is something that you either learned new or something that was affirmed for you um, that I, made you think differently or maybe will be informing your work moving forward. Sarah? For me, I would definitely say the theme that and kind of thread that ran throughout the conference for me that made me feel re-energized and reactivated really comes down to the the professional troublemaker piece that Lovey talked about because it came up again throughout the conference of really um, seizing those moments to speak up um, and advocate for others in a way that is thoughtful um, and mm-hmm. based in data um, and not just saying the like people will say oh well I'm playing the devil's advocate listen the devil don't need no advocates he's like he's good what we need (laughs) is for people to really um is to really give thought and consideration to all the information that that we know and that we have to make decisions that balance the needs of the business with the humanity of people and Mm -hmm. Any time that we have the opportunity to do that is an honor and a privilege that we can't take for granted, mm-hmm. and we really have an opportunity to to make the world or make someone's world, even if it's just our own, a little bit better. And and the importance of seizing that whenever it happens to pass our way. And so that was yeah. kind of the connective thread that I saw yeah. in. That came out in Lovey session and that I saw in most of the other sessions that I attended that I took away with me and and want to hold like in the front of my mind and in my heart as I move forward. 
you know what is uh, we did not pre-plan this at all, uh, but that pretty much was what 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 my takeaway was too, and what I was going to say. Oh no, um, I still it because um, I just thought she, for me, she set the tone. Uh, her message set the tone for the conference, and um, what it's it's something I've always. Um, done or prided myself on doing or think I think I do, which is, you know, tipping over the sacred cows, right, and, and um, mm. pushing back when appropriate and speaking up and all of those things that she talked about um, within an organization to make work better for people, I guess, is sort of my, you know, guiding light. How do we make work better for everybody? Um and, and a couple of the sessions that supported that for me that I went to, um, uh, Lauren Gardner, who's the uh, global TA leader with Microsoft, did a session and mm-hmm. talked about a number of things that they did around inclusive hiring. But um, one example, uh, oh, my God, you know, they got rid of employee referrals. Talk about a sacred cow. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the mm-hmm. room at the session was like, oh, my God, you know, oh, how could you do that? How did you do that? Um, mm-hmm. uh, right. You know, Kat Kibben's session, and we all have known Kat forever, but it's been a while since, mm-hmm. you know, since the before time, since I've seen her do something live, um, and, and, and uh, you know, they did a phenomenal job of, of, of answering questions and, and knowing um, what recruiters, HR leaders, TA folks go through day to day, and so, you know, Kat just really did a good job of encouraging people to push back on norms in their roles, uh, everything from writing job postings um, and questioning requirements of jobs. And, and, and they just, you know, reiterated that to those in attendance who again were kind of shocked at this thought of, Oh, I can't, I can't ask the hiring manager, you know, that. And, and Kat was like, well, yes, you can, and you need to, and you should, and here's why. And go (laughs) in again, armed with, uh, again, back to what did Lovey say, right? Do I believe it? Can I defend it? Do I have the data to back it up? Um, and do I do I love what this is going to allow for my people in my organization? That that was that was my big learning. John, what about you? Well, I'm I would say, um, and obviously you two know that you know my my bread gets buttered. Um, most in sort of the human psyche consideration of things because mm-hmm. while while organizational build um, is is a competency for the for again for us and the HR work that we get to do we we also know that it starts with the individuals right who are part mm-hmm. of the, the organization and and I remember sitting there um, listening to to therapist Esther Perel, um, mm-hmm. whom I've heard before, but for for maybe it was just said differently, but she shared at one point. She said, um, "You know, we used to leave marriages because we were unhappy. Now we leave them because we could be happier." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. And I rem- that just sort of stopped me in my tracks when she shared that because it just made me think deeply about um, 
what are the carrots that were hanging in front of people and how how real are some of those carrots because the pursuit of happier um to a degree is is almost untenable it's it's mm-hmm. you can spend an awful lot of time in the grass might be greener right on the other side kind of perspective where i i know things are okay here but it looks like things could be better over there and i think that that and and we've had people who do that who leave and and in an organization and they go and they're like well yeah it is greener but it's all weeds it's not grass it's green because of the weeds (laughs) and and so um and and sometimes we sort of legislate and administer to the fear of um someone looking to the left or to the right and some seeing something that could be shinier, you know, prettier, better in perception. And I think that what Esther was really kind of driving home is this consideration around um, first, there's a personal responsibility for each individual. HR practitioners cannot and ought not to sit in the seat of, I've got to make everything okay for everybody. That's That's a losing battle. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and and that, that's the last thought, y'all. Our show has ended in 10 oh. seconds. Reach out to us on the Mariso. We are here. Woo-hoo. Thanks, everyone, for coming to Drive Through HR. Bye. Thank you. Bye.